Hey man, good morning church. How you guys doing this morning? Afternoon, technically, whatever. I never get it right. Y'all want to switch me over? Give me the power. Feeling a little less of the power. There we go. All right. Hey man, it is good to be together. Uh, before I get in, there's a couple things I want to announce. Um, actually, at uh, today at 4:30, um, Chloe Hutchins is going to be getting baptized at 89th Street, which is awesome. If you know the Hutchins family, to know the Hutchins family is to love the Hutchins family. Except Ben. No, I'm kidding. Uh, no, Ben's awesome. If he's here, I have no idea if he's here. I hope he's not here. <laughs> Uh, something else I want to announce, um, there is a, there's a brother from the campus ministry who uh, last semester was in a very serious accident um, and wasn't able to attend uh, school any longer. He's actually visiting with us here today. Marquis Achi is over here. He's, uh, he's just visiting, and we're hoping someday soon that he'll be uh, back at ODU. Uh, hey, man, it's just, good. it's just good to see you, man. Your hat, you are dope. Amen. And actually, after uh, after the sermon today, there's going to be a, another baptism. Damian Williams. Williams? But yeah, he's going to be getting baptized. That's awesome. Come on, man. Say what? And Will Kelly got baptized. And wherever he is. There we go. And there it is. And Elmer got baptized. Come on, Elmer. Is Jayla getting baptized today? There's a sister from the campus ministry on the peninsula that's getting baptized. Her name is Jayla. Anyone else? <laughs> Anyone studying? Come on. Oh, that's like one step short of an altar call. We can't do that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, study the Bible. Study the Bible and get baptized. Everybody, you just decide to do it. They study the Bible and repent. Amen. Go ahead and turn your Bibles over to Ephesians chapter 2 before we get into any more silliness. They shouldn't give me microphones. They shouldn't let me talk in public. <laughs> Amen. You know, it has been awesome uh, to be able to go through the book of Ephesians and to hear about how amazing life is living in the grace of God. All the things that, that we kind of know we know, hey, God loves you. You know you're favored. But to be able to systematically go through and hear all the things that we are in the grace of God, we are blessed with every blessing in the spiritual realms. We are forgiven. We're adopted. We're chosen. We're redeemed. We're all sorts of other stuff. Man, you get walking through a little bit more swag. Life is awesome as a disciple. And today we're going to continue with this. And... Uh, Today we're talking about, I am brought near. You know, when you're far away from somebody, uh, things kind of get interesting. You know, it's much easier to communicate and connect with people when you're close to them. If Katie and I, uh, we, uh, we, we dated long distance for how many months? Seven, eight months. And 
you know, being being a part, like she was in Roanoke and I was in here, there are people that have it way worse. Zach Anton dated his girlfriend, now wife. He was in Australia and she was here. You know, that's that's a kind of a big distance. But, you know, when you're separated by distance, connection and communication can be a little funky. You ever text somebody and they don't quite understand what you're talking about? That never happened to us. I just am theorizing of other people. You never tell if, if somebody texts you something and they're being sarcastic. You can't quite tell if they're being sarcastic or they're being serious. And you make a joke and someone goes, that hurts my, my feelings. I spent all night crying. You're like, not sure if I should be sorry or start laughing. Again, that never happened to us. We always understood everything. Like now, I understand everything. <laughs> I'm learning, learning things. But when we're far away, bad things can happen. You can communicate things that you don't mean to. Check this one out. Text, hey, my grandma's in the hospital. I hope she gets better. Friend, I hope she die or dies. <laughs> He says, why do you want my grandma to die? And then you smile about it. I mean, dies. I, I hope she dies. Everyone make, check, check what you text. Check when you text. Friends don't let friends text like this. But you know, it's not good, and it doesn't feel good to be separated from people. It doesn't feel good to be far apart. It's funny, sometimes you can be like right next to someone and still feel isolated from them. You know what I'm talking about, the people that you spend time with, and you're there, you're always with them, but you feel so alone. I think sometimes that happens with, with, with us and God. And there's a bigger story here of how at one point we were separated from God. And that's where we're going to pick up here in Ephesians 2, verse 18. And remember, in the church in Ephesus, Paul's writing to, there's a, a group of Christians that are Jewish and a group of Christians that are not Jewish, known as Gentiles. So anybody that is not a Jewish person is a Gentile. So don't get confused by that. Um, so anyway, we're going to pick up here verse 11. It says, Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles, not Jewish, by birth and are called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Why he's talking about circumcision is because the Jewish people, that's what you did to your baby, to your baby boys on the eighth day of their life. And it was a mark, a symbol of their people that even around the world, the Jewish people were known as getting circumcised. It was a mark of being connected to their God, Yahweh. And the people, the Jewish people held a lot of stock. It was a not just a badge of honor, but a membership. You weren't circumcised, you weren't part of the Jewish people. So that's why it's talking about that. It's not just you know throwing something out there. Remember, in verse 12, that at that time, you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise. 
without hope, and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once, or you who once were far away, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups into one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulation. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body, to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he was put to death, or he, he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to, the, uh, to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. It's pretty cool. There's a lot in this passage. And we all need to just throw up our hands and thank God that he decided that he wanted to bring all of us near. Uh, today, I've got, they're points, but they're really questions that we're going to answer. First question is, okay, so I've been brought near, so uh, where was I exactly? Where was I that I needed to be brought near? Well, in verse 11, actually, <laughs> verse 11 and 12, it talks about five different things that we all were, unless you're Jewish, actually Jewish, and that doesn't apply to you, but it still kind of does. But if you're not Jewish, this is for you. Five things that describe where you were. Verse 12. Remember that at one time you were separated from Christ. You were excluded in citizenship of Israel. You were foreigners to the covenants of the promise. And then he gets like really in there and says, and by the way, you didn't have hope and you didn't have God. Not exactly a happy picture. One of isolation, dishonor, and shame. And, and you know, honestly, when, when we read that, it's, it's kind of hard to kinda hard to think about that. We don't like hearing that. You know, I can say that about myself. I can say I'm without hope, but don't you say it. That's not cool. We got to remember back then, this is just the truth. We have to accept what the truth is of our spiritual situation really was. Separated from Christ, not connected to, not just Jesus, but to a savior. Excluded from citizenship in Israel. For us, most of us were like, I'm a citizen of good old USA, baby. You know, forget that. What do I need to be citizen in, in, in Israel for? Well, remember, back then, the mindset was if you weren't part of the chosen nation of Israel, you could not be connected to God. At least not the God of the Bible, not Yahweh, the one who did everything in the Old Testament, not the one that set the slaves free from Egypt. Now, you had other gods that were going around. Anybody ever studied Greek and Roman mythology? Yeah, all those gods, they're terrible. Those were the gods that were going around. Their gods act just like people. And some of them, like really terrible people. Like Zeus is crazy promiscuous. In fact, most of mythology is to explain all the problems of humanity because Zeus 
can't control himself. All the problems that happen in mythology, that the gods basically used people as their playthings and abused them. Those were the gods. You aren't connected to God. Not the good God, the benevolent God. Not the one that loved you, that set free the captives, that cared about the captives. It says we were foreigners to the covenants of the promise. Isolated. And then here's this one. For, for most of us, again, covenants is something that's a little bit more foreign. What's a little bit more that hits home is without hope. Do you remember before you were a Christian? Do you remember feeling without hope? Not that you like to admit that to yourself, or that you ever really wanted to say those words, but we felt it. There was a, a cycle, a cycle of sin, although you, we didn't call it sin. We just tried to live our lives. But it always ended up being a little bit empty. Maybe you try to fill your life with relationships, hoping that that would solve your problem, only to go from relationship to relationship with every person showing you why you were wrong. But no, people can't solve your problems, but hoping maybe this one will. Maybe it was accomplishments. That was me. I spent my, my whole life just getting as many things as I could accomplish as possible. Maybe if I get enough accomplishments, if I get enough uh, good grades, or join enough honor societies, or make the baseball team, or or or, or you know, be you know, good at music and be an all district band. I don't know why I thought that would solve my problems, but I did. Seems silly now, but you know, it's that time if I could just get that. Sometimes it's maybe it's a promotion or something. Maybe it's what's in your bank account. These things that we're like. Maybe then, maybe then I'll feel at peace. Maybe then I'll be happy. But it didn't work. And so you go, well, maybe something else. But it never worked. And we put on a bold face and try to be happy because we didn't want to admit how empty and broken we were. You've got to remember that. That at one point, that's where we were, without hope. And the reason we were without hope it's not because you were just a pessimistic person. It's because you were without God. That's what it said. These are the five things that it says. And you can imagine the Gentile people listening to this listening to this letter. By the way, this letter would have been read aloud to the church. Can you imagine being a Gentile Christian listening to this? Just kind of like slinking down in your chair like, come on, take it easy, Paul. Separated from Christ. Ooh, excluded. Oh, Foreigners. Oh, come on. Without hope. Come on, man. Without God. It hurts. Then you got to ask the question, why was I so far away? Why was it? I just it. Was it just because I was in a different place? Well, no, the, the reason, there's, there's a few of them. Ephesians 2, you just look up. Verses 1 through 3, it says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived 
also lived among them at one time, ratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Why is it that we were separated? It wasn't that you were just born at a disadvantage. It's because we chose to gratify the sins of our flesh. We did our thing. We followed what felt good. We followed what we wanted. Where did that lead us? Well, not closer to God. It led us deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole of our sinful nature. Our very nature is one that we deserve wrath. That's why. Go over to Isaiah 59 real quick. Just in case you've forgotten this. Because we live in a culture that tells you, hey, everybody sins and it's okay. It's fine. Everybody makes mistakes. And hear me right, I am saying that we, everybody does make mistakes. But we can't think that when we make mistakes, they're without consequences. Isaiah 59. If you can't find Isaiah, try to turn to the middle of your Bible. If you turn right at Psalms. Go there, Isaiah 59. Verses 1 and 2. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities, which is a fancy word for sins, have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. For your hands are stained with blood fingers with guilt and your lips spoken falsely and your tongue mutters wicked things. When we study the Bible with people, when we study the Bible, remember connecting the dots for the first time? Your sin separates you from God. So that it's kind of like God becomes a fuzzy outline. This picture, not, not a person not someone you can connect to. We are fallen. We are cursed. We are depraved. And more than that, all of our decisions. That's what took us far away from God. We weren't victims. We chose. And I'm not saying that some that, that there are that are in this room, if you've actually had terrible things happen to you, I'm not saying that that was right. What I'm saying is that there's enough outside of all those things that we all have chosen to follow our own ways far enough so that that God should never want to bring us near. The stink, the stench of sin and guilt is so deep in us. You ever sit next to someone that hasn't showered in a little bit? And you're just like, can I please leave? Get out of here? God forbid you or with that person on a plane like I had to be on one time, oh my gosh, it's terrible. This is where we are. This is who we are by nature. And a lot of us, I think what we try to do is we try to get ourselves and persuade ourselves to thinking that we actually are good people. No, 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 I really wasn't that far away from God. Yeah, I had some things to get right. Nobody's perfect. It's a process. No, you got to realize that you are so far away from God. It's not that you were in a different, like, 
different neighborhood or a different county or different states. We were so far away. We were almost on different planets. That's how separated we were from God. Matt, you're being so negative. Why are you doing this? You're killing my Sunday buzz. Well, because if we don't get this, if we, if we forget where we came from, if we forget how far away we were from God, then him bringing us close won't make a difference to us. Do you remember how awful it was? Do you remember the lies of the world? Do you remember trying to hold your life in your hands, trying to hold it together as things are spinning out of control? Do you remember your isolation? Do you remember when you realized how empty it was? And do you remember when you realized that it was you who brought you there? Why were we so far away? We moved. We followed ourselves. Matt's just kind of a down. Chill, bro. Well, all of that is necessary for us to appreciate the answer here. How was I brought near? Well, take a look here. Go back to Ephesians. Verse 13, it says, But now in Christ Jesus, you are who once were far away have been brought near by the what? By the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ brought you near. This is crazy. How does this all work? Well, you know, at one point in time, at one point, humanity was completely, perfectly united with God. We had full access to him. This is the Garden of Eden, actual picture. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's ridiculous. It was black and white back then. That's <laughs> no, that's how it was. The story goes like this. God creates humanity and originally we were one with God, full access. If you go back and read Genesis, we're walking with God. You're not far away. You're literally right there with them. God's chilling, walking through the garden. Hey, what's up? That's how close we were. He's like that best friend that you come into their house and you just, you don't even ask if you can get something. You just go to the fridge. That's how close, full access. And Owen says, amen. <laughs> That's how it was. We weren't always far apart. What happened was sin. Sin entered the picture, and instead of trusting that listening to God would actually save us, that that was the way to go, humanity said, I know better than God. And then they were cast out. This is the first sending away, that they were no longer allowed to live in the Garden of Eden. They no longer had full access to God because of their sin of our sin. Cast far away. And throughout the Old Testament, God tries to bring his people closer, revealing himself to him. But people were unwilling. 
He literally goes and says, hey, I'll, I'll free you from captivity. I will bring you close to me. And then what happens is as soon as he gets them out, they start worshiping false gods. What the what? And he says, you know what? I'm going to give you my law and my covenant. I'll promise to always take care of you as long as you're close to me. And they still didn't do it. And they went and worshiped false gods over and over and over and over again. But even his chosen people could only get so close. They were never able to be fully, have given full access to him. And then Jesus arrives on the scene. Jesus is one with the Father. And he lived in perfect unity with God, with full access. But what he does is he says, I'm going to take on all your mess, all of my sin, or all your sin that I haven't done. And you know what? I will be cast out with you. And I will be cast out for you. He had done nothing wrong. And then he found himself taking on our sin and said, I will be excluded. I will be separated. I will be a foreigner. I will be without hope and I will be without God. That's why on the cross he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he becomes sin for us and he was cast out and he was far away from God. But then God does something amazing. God vindicates Jesus and he thrusts his arms into the darkness, lifts Jesus out of the realm of the dead. And God says, my justice is satisfied. So Jesus, you can be brought near again. Come out. You're not dead anymore. I will vindicate you. I have the power to do that. He says, because of your awesome righteousness, Jesus, I'll bring you back from the dead. And Jesus says, great. But I, guess what, God? I'm coming home. I'm getting near to you, but I'm bringing friends. I'm bringing some friends with me. Because there are so many people in darkness. We were in darkness. He says, I will bring you with me. I was cast out then, so you never have to be cast out now. Go to John chapter 10. Y'all still with me here? He's trying to bring you near to me. And in John 10, verse 7, Jesus says again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out, and they find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus says, I'm the gate. The only separation that you have anymore is the one between you and sin. He says it used to be that your sin kept you from God. That was the separation. And I'm destroying that. I'm the gate. You can come in now. That wall that you could never climb, never scale. You just come on in because you're with me. This is what happens when we become Christians. When we're just like, I'm in Jesus now. I'm with him. 
Yeah, I was cast out far away, but now I get to be brought near because Jesus shed his blood. Now, let me just say something real quick here. This is only for disciples. That, unfortunately, if, if, if you're visiting with us and you haven't studied the Bible and repented and baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and received the gift of the Holy Spirit, you are still far off. You are still excluded, separated. And we beg you, study the Bible. Come to know Jesus in this way. Repent so that you can come in this way. And this is the amazing story of the gospel. And it's interesting that as we, we all, every, just look around here, every single one of us has to walk in through this gate. And you think about back then, for the Jews and the Gentiles, they didn't just have in their minds a wall of hostility of sin. They started having a wall of hostility towards each other. The Jewish people looked at them and said, you're not, to everyone that wasn't Jewish, you're not good enough. That we're the chosen people. We are the favored ones. And Jesus goes, no way. I'm breaking down that wall of hostility with sin so y'all can have the wall of hostility broken down between each other. And everybody... If you want to come to God, has to walk through this gate of Jesus. And as we all shuffle through that narrow gate of the cross, once we've entered into the sheep pen of Jesus, and we look around, the only dividing wall between all of us here should be the, the wall that separates us from the destruction of sin. And we become grateful for each and every person who goes through that gate. So with that in mind, what's different? What is different? We go back to Ephesians. This whole, pa this whole passage here talks about us being brought near. But then he starts talking about how the fact that he has brought all of us near in this way means... That what goes on, the relationship between the believers needs to change too. Verse 14, for he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. That no longer there is any difference between the Jews and the Greeks or the Gentiles, the slaves, the free. The dividing wall has been broken. In 1961, a wall was built in Berlin, Germany. The socialist government of Eastern Germany built the wall to stop fascism from preventing the will of the people. The solid concrete wall, it went for 96 miles. 96 miles through Berlin. And it was complete with barbed wire and guard towers and no one was allowed to cross it. Families were divided. People were trapped and separated. And if they tried to cross, they were arrested and at times executed. But in 1991, with the fall of the Soviet Union, thousands met at the Berlin Wall to knock it down. That's that famous, that famous speech by Ronald Reagan, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Yeah, sure. 
the dividing wall of hostility would come down within a year. And East and West Germany divided for 30 years by hostility would now become brothers together. In South Africa, a system known as apartheid, literally meaning in Afrikaans, separateness. It was racial segregation enforced through the government from 1948 all the way to 1994. In 1994, apartheid was struck down and an integrated government from the ashes of racism and separateness came together to forge something new. Not as separate, but together. Through history, people have built wall after wall of hostility towards each other. But it's true, when we bring down the wall of hostility in our own hearts, sometimes it's those literal walls that will fall down. You know, for all of us here, we have been brought near through the blood of Jesus, and that hostility has been killed so that we can live in peace with each other. It talks about he has made... He is created in verse 15. His purpose was to create himself one new humanity out of the two. Everyone united in Jesus. And this is really something really interesting. Is that now in Jesus, if you look around this room right now, there are so many different types of people. Different backgrounds. We're going to get into some of this. A lot of us wouldn't be friends at all in the world. But now in Jesus, the people that you had nothing in common with before, you now have more in common with the people in this room because of the blood of Jesus than you ever had with even a best friend in the world. Here's our problem. We don't always think like that. Sometimes we allow the wall of hostility to go right back up in our hearts. Not just towards people in the world, but even with each other. And here's the thing. Our battle isn't against flesh and blood. Satan will literally use anything to put up a wall between brothers and sisters here. And Martin Luther King said that 11 o'clock on Sunday morning is the most segregated hour in America. That was in the 60s, and the sad part is it still continues today. Now, I'm really grateful that I look around here, and this is not a black church or a white church or an Asian church or a Latino church or a young church or an old church. You literally see everybody. It was awesome, but sometimes we still travel in circles and social circles that still go along racial lines. And now you get uncomfortable. But why is Matt, the white preacher, talking about this? <laughs> Joke's on you, I'm half Jewish, what up? No, but sometimes, sometimes it happens, we walk in, and we automatically gravitate towards the people we feel comfortable with. 
Or maybe there's still, maybe, I don't know what your background is, but maybe we come out of, of, of backgrounds where there was a lot of prejudice towards different races. And we still let that affect us. Not overtly, of course, you're going to give your brother a hug. Of course, you're going to talk with that sister. But somewhere deep in our hearts, the dividing wall is up. And then it becomes we turn on each other. When someone doesn't treat you right, even in the fellowship, we get a little bit miffed by that. We, someone rubs us the wrong way. Then it, somewhere deep in our hearts, we go, oh, that's because they're like this. That's because of their background. White boys are like that. I can say that because we're white. We got to talk about this. It can't be that the brother brothers are sitting, are sitting with the brother brothers and the sister sisters, and all the white people have the white row, and all the people from Deep Creek are sitting with the people with Deep Creek, and all the people from NSU sitting with the NSU folks. Amen. Way to go. <laughs> we are one. We are one church. The dividing wall of hostility has been broken, and I don't care what race, what background you come from, you are now bonded with these people more than you ever have been bonded with anyone outside of these walls because of the blood of Jesus. We have to think like that. Otherwise, we'll be torn apart. You know, in Galatians 3, verse 27 through 29, you can just write it down. There's time to talk about everything, but it says, All of you who were baptized into Christ Jesus have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, nor slave nor free, nor male or female, for you are all one in Christ. Let me just talk to, you know, put this out. If you're hearing from me, if you're visiting with us and you're hearing like, oh man, I think the, the church that I go to or have been going to is, is, is actually mostly, you know, one race. It's one type of person. If you're hearing from me that you need to walk away from that church, hear, hear me right. I am not saying that you need to walk away from that church. I'm saying you need to run away from that church. You need to sprint with all things holy because, because this, and I'm not talking about if you like everybody, like the population is like 98% black people and that, so therefore your church is that. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that if there is, if there is a dividing wall between the congregation, the people that call themselves Christians, and any other group, it is not Christianity. That is not what God meant it to be. There is no difference, and we have got to make sure that there is no dividing wall in our hearts. Are you with me here? Amen. It doesn't just stop there, though. We got to think through. It's not just racist backgrounds, but that's a big thing. Socioeconomic backgrounds. We say, oh, they come from kind of this back. We don't even realize. We don't think about that. It's the old class system. We don't think about that, but we kind of do. We don't think it overtly, but we think, oh, I relate to this person a ton. We have a lot of the same experiences. And it's our worldliness that comes in if we start kind of rubbing elbows with maybe some of the more prominent members of the church. The people that come from a little bit more money that dress a little nicer. And then we start saying, who, who are people seeing me fellowship with and talk to? If that's going on, same thing. There is no rich or poor. 
There is no influential or not influential. We got to cut it. We are all brothers and sisters, one in Jesus. You know, it's something that, that I think for the, the campus and the teams, definitely, and, you know, probably still, probably all of us, but definitely y'all, is the cool factor. The dividing wall of hostility between the members of your ministry that are cooler and dress nicer and know all the songs and know the TV shows and those that don't. There's dividing walls of hostility sometimes that come on up. It should never be that we have dorks and nerds of the church. What I'm saying is people are going to be into what they're into. But those, those of us that are, you know, maybe in the world would be on the fringes socially, they become the honored members of the church, making sure that, hey, we're taking special care of you. This is my special honored friend. That in nowhere else they would be special and honored, but here they are because we're all one in Christ. That doesn't always happen. And then we get upset and frustrated that the church looks like the world. Well, it just shouldn't be. You know, there's so many. Just think about it. Your religious background, your education level, dividing walls of hostility between levels of influence of the church, dividing levels of hostility of leadership. I'm not in leadership, so there's a wall of hostility between me and you. The dividing wall of hostility over things as silly as music that we listen to. I just don't relate to you. Or that we look at each other, we stand in judgment. You know, God will even use Caleb as a dividing wall of hostility. Whether or not you, that's the Christian music, you know, channel. So it's like, oh, I listen to Caleb all the time. And you either go, wow, you're so awesome, or you judge him. Judge him hard and fast. And I've even been there. Somebody tells me to listen to Caleb. I'm just imagining. (laughs) Dividing wall of hostility. Amen. This person just trying to come to Jesus. What's the matter with me? What's the matter with us? We put up dividing walls of hostility. We've all been brought near. Why are we trying to send each other further away? So, what do we do? Okay. I'm going to pull back the curtain a little bit. So on Friday, we talked, um, we talked about how we want to make sure that as a church, we're not preaching a moralizing message of what of just telling you to go do something to try harder. This is not actually my challenge. This was going to be my challenge. And then I caught myself. I'm like, oh, no, I'm doing it again. <laughs> telling you, you know what you need to do? You need to go tear down this wall and find the walls and kick them down and take a sledgehammer of scripture to it. And, you know, all of that. But then I'm like, oh no, there I am telling you to try harder to be friends with people. Here's the thing. Instead of this message, which I was going to preach to you, instead of this message of tear down this wall, I want to encourage you, it's not about what you're going to do. It's about what Jesus has already done. And the difference here is this. Instead of you having to go and take all the walls down, you got to realize this. Jesus already took down all of the walls. 
all those walls, the only one that mattered was the dividing wall of hostility between your sin and God, like between you and God and over your sin, and he knocked it down. That everyone here would have your back in a fight if it really mattered. That no matter what, these people right here, they, they're not like brothers and sisters. They are closer than brothers and sisters. So my encouragement to all of us is not about go tear down the walls. I'm just saying, reach out and grab a hand. Some of us are afraid that we won't have things in common. We're afraid of those dividing walls of hostility. And I'm saying they're all gone already. It's, it's an illusion. There is no wall. Just go. Connect. You have all been brought near. Don't send anyone further away. One of my favorite movies is Remember the Titans. If you've never seen this movie, I'm so sorry. You're not going to understand the next couple minutes. I love this movie because it takes place in Northern Virginia. My high school actually played T.C. Williams very often in football. And just to let you know, they're terrible now. We beat them 70 to nothing. They're awful. But they were. Little plug, Joe Robinson. But back then, in the 70s, they weren't when the movie takes place. And what happens is there's a football team in the 70s, a lot of racial tension. What they do is they integrate two high schools. There's a black high school and a white high school, and they bring them together, and it's the story of the football team coming together. Early on in the movie, the coach who has to integrate two coaching staffs, two sets of players, two communities, he brings them out here to camp, like it's their football camp, their training camp. And he makes them do an early morning run through the, you know, the morning fog in Pennsylvania. And it turns out that he brings them to the battlefield at Gettysburg. And he says this to his players as they're out of breath and they're still kind of at each other's throats. Not, they're still dividing walls of hostility between the, the light and black players. Coach gets up there and says, it's Denzel, so imagine him saying it. I'm not even going to try the impression. He said, this is where they fought the Battle of Gettysburg. 50,000 men died right here on this field, fighting the same fight that we're fighting among ourselves today. This green field right here, painted red, bubbling with the blood of young boys, smoke, hot lead pouring right through their bodies. Listen to their souls, men. I killed my brother with malice in my heart. Hatred destroyed my family. You listen, and you take a lesson from the dead. If we don't come together right now on this hallowed ground, we too will be destroyed, just like they were. That's the same message Jesus tells us. We have to come together. The only difference is the hallowed ground is not one the battlefield, but it's the hallowed ground that Jesus has made holy with his blood. Over to Philippians 1. And we'll finish up here. Y'all still with me? Philippians 1, verse 27. One of my favorite passages again. 
says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you are standing firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. Brothers and sisters, we have been brought near, and we all follow Jesus together. It doesn't make sense that a group of people that have nothing in common could come together and be united about something and stand firm in the face of opposition. But it happens because the grace of God has brought all of us near. Let's think. Let us tear down all those walls if there are any. Let's reach out and together as we've been brought near, contend as one person for the sake of the gospel. Amen.